from the Pavilion on Cambridge 105 Radio. Hello and welcome to From the Pavilion, the local cricket show where we round up all of the action from around the county in Cambridgeshire. On today's show, St Ives Town and Warboys skipper Jack Haycock joins us to chat about their strong start to the Campton Hunt's Premier League season and how they've found the return to recreational cricket. We'll also be discussing their twos form in the CCA leagues as well. We'll have a full roundup from the Whitings divisions, that's Division 1, 2 North, 2 West and 2 South East, and our local APL sides as well, we'll be chatting to all of them. Jack will also be taking on Callum in this week's Beat the Guest. Callum currently leads 2-0, so can Jack clinch one back? We'll be casting an eye back over the recent ODI series between England and Ireland, taking a look at the winners in the first round of the Bob Willis Trophy, all before Jack asks his big question for us to debate in the latter part of the show. If you want to contribute, you can do at FTP Cricket 105 on both Twitter and Facebook. Send us your views, your opinions to all we discussed tonight, and if you had a good game on the weekend, let us know. Thanks very much for tuning in. My name is Ollie Slack. I'm delighted as ever to welcome on my co-host Callum Guest. Thanks for coming on, Callum. No problem, mate. And it's a great pleasure this week to welcome on Jack Haycock from St Ives Town and Wilboys. Thanks for coming on, Jack. Thanks, Ollie. Thanks for having me back. Are you well? Yeah, really well. Really well, thanks. Yeah. Good, good. Callum, what about yourself? Looks like you're in your sourcing game. You must have a, a, a night of training or coaching. No, yeah, I just had a just had a net. Obviously, I went and played a little bit of golf beforehand with Ben Clifford and then made my way over to training with him. Just had a net between us two, really. Wasn't too many other other faces turning up, but that's all good. Well, if there's anyone who doesn't need a net after the weekend, it's probably you uh, or Wacker, given the performances from to a source and stand the weekend. What is it with golf, though? Speaking to Alex Sears today, and he was saying he's off playing golf. You see Sam Rippington on his Instagram, he's playing golf every single day as well. Obsessed. Not very good, but obsessed. Absolutely love it. I'm that bad, it's now addictive. <laughs> Jack, what about you? I wish I was good. I just hit everything like a covered drive that slices off to the right. But yeah. I said to Callum when he was saying similar in Ireland, I said that's better than hitting it to Cow Corner, I guess, isn't it? But <laughs> Depends what hole you're on and if there's any water to the right. <laughs> uh, let's talk about the weekend then. Let's start with the Whiting's divisions first of all. Let's just run quickly run through the results. Eaton Soken scored 251-6 off 40, beat Cambridge Twos, who were bought up for 240 uh, off 39.3. Uh, so Eaton Soken won that by 11 runs, so a pretty close match in the end. Histon beat Foxton by five wickets, chasing down 148 with just under about four five overs to go there. Uh, Kemmer St Giles beat Marchtown by 80 runs, so pretty convincing victory there. And yourselves, Jackson Ives and Warboys, 178 for two off 29.1, beat Wisbeach Town very comfortably indeed. He scored 174 for nine off 40. She beat them by eight wickets, so a very nice, comfy victory. And unbelievably, your first of the season as well. We were speaking last week with Callum about you know, yourselves playing well for the first game, narrowly lost against Fox and then the game against March affected by rain and possibly on the verge of winning that as well could have looked a whole lot different but nonetheless glad to get your first win I'm sure yeah yeah really really satisfying I say we were quietly confident going into it because I think we've been on quite a upwards trajectory yeah Fox and could have gone either way March it was a pretty good deck before the rain killed us but yeah I mean to win a place like Wisbeach with so many big names quite comfortably was really satisfying what do you make of Wisbeach's start, Callum? It's been obviously a bit indifferent, really. We expected them to be one of the sides, I guess, challenging at the top, but of course losing to new boys, St Ives and Warboys. I think we've said it from the start and even before the season commenced that obviously that, that league is so so close. All the teams can beat every you know, every team can beat everyone on their on their day. And they kind of showed on Saturday, as Jack said, they won relatively comfortably. Um, against an established Tucker side or Whiting side. Um, having spoken to Willow previously, I think the Wisbeach at the moment are in a transitional stage and uh, they're very reliant on their top four or five batters to score the runs. Um, but yeah, it's a fantastic victory for obviously the new, uh, the new boys of the division. Um, and I'm, hope- well, I'm sure Jack's hoping that now they can go on a little bit of a run towards the end of the season and hopefully make that playoff spot. It's a really, really tight league. You mentioned it last week, Callum. It's weird. Histon have only played two games, as have Cambridge St. Giles, Eden Soken and Cambridge Twos. 
because of the whole COVID-related incident a couple of weeks ago. Um, but Histon is still top of the league with eight points because they're the only side who've managed to win two matches. It's really, really tight. You've got Foxton in second, who've uh, had one abandoned, only won one and lost one, yet they're in second, along with three other sides, all tied on six points, one of them St Ives uh, Town and Warboys. Jack, what were your sort of thoughts heading into the, the campaign? We, what were your expectations? Going into it, we knew we, we knew we had seven or eight games. We were going to take it as serious as possible when it was just a, with no relegation. It was just a, let's give it everything and learn from it and, you know, take it into next season. But um, seeing how we've fared so far, you know, we're quietly confident and, you know, we'll start again next week. You know, we, you have to be 100% at it every week to win games to that level. But, you know, we, the, I think the playoff system is so, so good and it keeps us all sort of something to play for. Even if we lose the next couple of weeks, we can still sneak in with a, a couple of wins. So it's so difficult to call those those top four spots because, like we said, it's such a tight league, and then uh, because it's top four, anyone can sort of make a, a late surge, a late surge in into the division. Is the step up noticeable, Jack, from Whiting's two to one? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll probably go into the game on Saturday, but Wisbeach's openers were we knew they were good and they were really good. They were hundred without loss after eighteen overs, and I'm a fairly fairly new captain, and I didn't have many times like that last season in Wings too and I was scratching my head a little bit thinking why did I bowl first here but um, yeah there, it is noticeable but you know we're, we're ready for it. Mm, Callum I guess obviously you've had the step up in a different way from Whiting's 1 to EAPL how quickly as a team as individuals do you have to adapt? I think it's just that you're just alert I think Jack would probably say the same as a, as a captain and obviously I'm vice captain of the Sawston side. It's just you're making sure every every person that's entering that game is very much alert and they kind of it's that kind of in the back of your mind you're thinking if I drop a catch here, these players will punish you. Whereas last season there wasn't that kind of fear factor. If you dropped a catch or missed the missed the opportunity, we kind of had the feeling that the bowlers would be good enough to maybe get fifteen a game if necessary. Whereas I mean, you sh- we we, sh- we got shown on Saturday. Clayton didn't give one chance, and he managed to get a f- you know flawless hundred and twenty odd. Um, and that's that's the difference. We didn't get we didn't have that many times last season where someone had really cashed in and gone big against us. It's just such fine margins. After that Foxton game, in the first game back, losing by six runs, I was analysing the game all week, thinking where could we have saved six runs? And there was just ten overs where we slipped off it. Just that, just a little bit, and yeah, that's what cost us. Are you enjoying the formats as well? It's 40 overs in, in whitings and colour kits. Yeah, I mean, 40, 50, I'll, either way, I'm happy. I mean, it's just, it's just so good to be playing because I'd sort of, you know, my, my expectations of playing, I just didn't really have any a couple of months ago. So just to be out there playing, it's quite surreal. So, uh, yeah, the coloured clothing, even though um, only Wisbeach have had a coloured kit to play against us in the coloured kit. So, uh, but yeah, it's, it's a, really good spe- a really good spectacle, yeah. To be fair, if you had to pick a uh, colour kit that looks the best, I, I think I said a few weeks ago, St Ives uh, and Warboys looks looks pretty good, to be fair. It looks a pretty nice kit. Most people seem to come with blue. Histon, I was um, I was talking to Ed Hyde over New Year's and he was saying that um, Histon were going for blue. I can't believe it. they should have gone red and black, just like their football team. But um, a number of sides like the dark colours. Sawston gone for black as well. Green uh, stripes on the bottom as well, but oh, that's how it is. Thank God we weren't playing last Friday in 33 degrees in black. <laughs> yeah. So it, would have been a, it would have been a sniff word to miss the heat, I think. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> yeah. This Saturday, I think. Can't wait. <laughs> but horse at the brightest, flipping out, the sun shining down on them. You've been blind the opposition with their bright yellow kit, but I guess that's a, a required taste. Where would you, I guess, like to finish then, Jack? Obviously, of course, you'd like to finish top or in the top four, but you said you were going into the season effectively a trial run just to go out and, and, and try and get as high as you can but what would you take if I offered you now for the end of the season? I think yeah at the start it would have just been to win a couple of games and be competitive but I think our confidence is up now and we realise we can match anyone in that league you know with Beach beat and Soken a couple of weeks ago and then we turned them over so I'd be I'd actually I'd be disappointed if we didn't get in the top four now but obviously we're not going to get ahead of ourselves but yeah I think top four is very very much on now. What's the sort of thoughts as a club as a whole as well, though? Because you seem to forget, obviously, despite coming up from Whiting's two last year, you're one league away and obviously a couple of playoff games off the East Anglia Premier League as well. Is that very much where the club's ambitions are at or are you just taking each year as it comes, as that saying says? I think because we've got a very young side, I think we had seven or eight under 25 on Saturday, I think everyone is quite 
keen to eventually, you know, try. But I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. We've only won, only won one game at the end of the day. But I think there is that ambition to get the best out of ourselves. And if that is where we end up in three or four years, then great. But we just love playing together. So wherever it takes us. How did the club sort of find that? transition back into playing for Garza, sort of getting net sorted and, and getting regrouped with training, etc., and getting prepared for the season? Committee was unbelievable. I, I I even admitted to them the other the other day, like during the lockdown, I just completely lost interest because I was so disappointed about the season being called off. I'd organised to have my overseas come over and all, all, all the work that goes into it, recruiting players and then just to get called off like that, I I lost interest for a few months, but the committee were unbelievable keeping things going so when we did get the green light we were straight straight into it yeah can is it, is it tough I, I guess we've sort of perhaps under underplay this the, the mentality of obviously players having so long off and then literally people weren't expecting it and Boris Johnson or the government making the announcement and then cricket's back and within a few weeks we're playing again a I guess the mentality of people who have like Jack sort of gave it in and forgot about it and said we're not going to play cricket this year equally um, the people who were, you know, who were potentially thinking, oh, it's only a friendly competition. I don't really want to play, etc. Yeah, I think that's exactly it, isn't it? It's just myself training tonight. I think last season there would have probably been ten to twelve, you know, first, second teams at training every Tuesday, every Thursday. Whereas at the moment it's almost like you let people go by having not if they don't train on the Tuesday as long as they turn up on the Thursday. So it's that kind of you let people get away with certain a certain amount, but. Well, why do you think people aren't rushing back? Because you take away a sport for four months and you think everyone will be absolutely desperate to, to play. And obviously in some cases there will be. There'll be clubs who are chomping at the bit. I think there's been a slight drop off in numbers at certain clubs. Lads that you know have got new families or can't, can't commit to half a season or don't feel it worthwhile to commit to half a season. I think that's a slight issue. I know there's a couple of clubs around that have, have found that. Jack, your thoughts? I think also... If we'd had a full season, we're, we're in August now as well. We don't might think we're like in May or June, but we're actually in August. And a lot of football started up again, a lot of pre-season friendlies. I mean, our training numbers have been okay. Not amazing, but they've been okay. But I think normally they'd start off June, May, June. They'd be a lot higher than they would be by July, August. They, they tend to slip off anyway. I don't know if that's got anything to do with it. Um, Joe, I just want to talk a bit about the CCA divisions. Of course, you've got a second team in the divisions as well. I think, am I right in saying you've got or last year you had four teams in total, but only submitted two into the Cams and Hunt setup this year. We've got one and two this year, yeah. I mean, we yeah. were going to have four, but just one and two, yeah. So why did you go down from four to four to two? We put a survey out when we got the green light asking what numbers would be like. And I don't know if just a lot of people just didn't bother filling it in because now we've put one team in the CCA and you know, we're having to rotate a little bit uh, the numbers. Their own fault for not doing the survey, but um, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's why I've only got one. Yeah, I see. So, is it a tricky job now with the second team because you potentially got maybe I don't know sixteen slots for eleven or maybe even more? Yeah, there's a little bit of juggling, but it's not it's not a massive issue. I don't think people are getting massively upset about. It. There's only there's only four games. I think it's only a four game season, so a lot of Sunday game like inter club games and things like that. So a lot of the juniors are getting run outs and things like that. I see, okay. Just trying to work out because our uh, Bluntly Twos are playing St Ives Twos on the weekend. That's we're trying to get some early team news, but Jack isn't budging. Okay. With regards to the Twos, <laughs> they're lost by five wickets against Needingworth on Saturday. Uh, of course, you said you're, you're rotating. Is it also a chance to develop some younger players as well at the club? Yeah, I think it's it's purely a, a mixture of two, threes and fours that, at that level. Um, I think they said they just didn't get enough runs and they... They fell up short, but yeah, it was a real mixture of two threes and fours. I think there was a few 13-year-olds playing, so it's good to see. Well, let's see how they get on on the weekend. Uh, next week's fixtures in the Whiting's Division 1. Uh, Cambridge 2's take on St Ives and Warboys. Foxton versus Cambridge St Giles. Histon, Wispeach Town and Marchtown versus Eaton Soken. Uh, with regards to the table, as we said, it's still pretty tight. Histon top with eight points, four teams on six. Foxton, March, St Ives. Town and Warboys and Wisbeach Town and then Cambridge St Giles Eaton Soken with four points and the bottom with no wins from their two games is Cambridge Twos with zero points. Uh, with regards to Division 2 West, ran out the fixtures from the weekend. Hunton and Districts beat AK11 by 19 runs. Southfield Park defeated Old Leesons by four runs, a close match there, but Wesley Frashkin Bolton by 139 runs in Division 2 
South East, Saffron Walden 2s beat Bowen Lexing 2s by 10 wickets. And uh, there were no games for Division 2 North, apparently, according to Play Cricket this weekend. However, there is an extra match day on Bank Holiday Monday, so maybe that's where they're rejigging the fixtures there. Before we go on to the East Anglia Premier League chat, let's just run up the top performers on the weekend. First with the bat and ball from the CCA Leagues. William Stock for Ilkleton scored 120 for the first team against Whittlesford, first team in CCA Group M. Charlie Ratley for Chippenham scored 121 not out against Over. That was in Group H. And James Minot, I don't, I don't know why, I shouldn't be reading out this one. It's not, it's not good for me. James Minot for Longstanton Grasshoppers scored 130 not out against Bluntsham Cricket Club. Enough of that. Uh, we're moving on to the bowlers. Joe White for Hunting District, first 11, took 7 for 24 against AK11. Uh, Campbell Saul for Will Burton took 7-15 against Milton in Group C. And Stuart Creed for Great Shelford Third 11 took 8 for 18 against Bolsham, first team in the Group S. You didn't quite manage to reach that feat on, uh, on, on the weekend, Callum, but let's talk about yourself and Sauce and Weber in the East Anglian Premier League. A good weekend for you, a good weekend for Wacker getting 110, and Sauce and I got two wins from two. Yeah, no, it, was a, it was a fantastic win. Um, lovely place to play cricket. Um, I'd say to any cricket lovers that you know want to go and like spotting new grounds, that's a definite... <laughs> Definite one to go and see because it's a fantastic spectacle. Cop dock, yeah, uh, yeah. Cop dock and old switchians. Very good facilities. Um, the groundsman there, I forget what his name was, but he was a he was a really good, really good lad as well. Very hospitable, um, and yeah, it was a good win. <laughs> we we joked last week that you might have to get up a bit early and go around to Downs for a bit of breakfast, and and uh, you might be feeling a bit sleepy, but it didn't show in the performance. Uh, let's just quickly run through, of course, what happened. There were wins for Swordston, Mildon and Horsford in the South Group. Of course, yourselves, Saffron and Sudbury in the South Group. It's, it sounds strange, almost obviously you won the Whiting one pretty convincingly last year, Callum. But a bit of a surprise, perhaps you admit yourself, that you picked up two wins from two. Obviously, going into a new league, I think the main reason for that. Um, coming up against, obviously, strong sides in Saffron and Coptop. Uh, bit of a surprise, but not too much. I feel like the couple of we didn't really know too much about Coptock obviously there's a few of us that played minor counties with a lot of their players against them so we kind of knew but as a side uh, we feel like we can beat most teams on on the day Saffron Warden obviously another good team but once again just similar we feel like we can beat them um, and then I think I feel like we've, we've spoke about it previously that we kind of had the uh, aspirations to finish in that third spot, if anything, with Sudbury and Frinton obviously being the standout sides in the comp to probably finish in the top two. And then we were fighting with Berry and uh, Copdock and Saffron Warden for the other, you know, for that third spot. So obviously Frinton have now lost two and two and Sudbury had a close run game against Berry at the weekend. So uh, much like the Tucker, it's all to play for. I feel like anyone could beat anyone on that day at the moment. Pretty competitive, uh, well, very competitive leagues. Just run you through the, the table. Obviously, yourselves top with 50 points. Sudbury uh, alongside with 50 points as well. Barry St Edmunds, 34. Saffron Walden, 26. Uh, and then Cop Dock and Old Ipswich and Frinton on Sea, both bottom with 10 points. Frinton on Sea, I guess, is the surprise there at the bottom because they won the division last year. Of course, Wax is saying getting 110 uh, in the match. Ben Claydon getting 122 for Cop Dock. So a tail of two tonnes. Which was the best, Callum? I would on uh, as a as a hundred, I'd say probably Claydon probably wins it as an outright hundred. Chanceless, it was a fantastic innings. Wackass did have a little bit of luck on North. He got dropped <laughs> boundary and went for four, but his was also quality. And I think the credit goes to Ka- uh, Michael Kafka as well, batting at three. I think that partnership there really did set a platform, um, and it was just high quality batting. I feel like the highlight reels would show the boundaries and stuff like that, but. The way Kafaki rotated strike with Waxy was different class and it really did. It gave everyone a bit of confidence that you know we could get a really good total. Can I have a bit of self-indulgence talk about your Fifer? Unfortunately, they've got a video, so I can't start claiming that I was spinning it miles and stuff like this. Um, it was a pretty pretty basic Fifer, I must admit, but you know, I'll take it. Well, if you look on the, the scorecard, I think I said to you before the show, there were two caught behind by Dan. Too bold and LBW. It's been absolutely perfect bowling there. No slogs out to the boundary caught by the fielders. No, a bit of spin. No, 
a uh, little bit of straight breaks and then yeah, the old uh, Karen the ball. <laughs> so a bit more, a bit more Colin Ackerman. Was he spoke yeah, about the other very one? Much, yeah, very much that. <laughs> so I was slated the other day for non-spinning off. <laughs> pretty much what I do anyway, so it's okay. Before we hear from the rest of our APL sides of Cambridge, Saffron, Walden and uh, Bow and Lexing, quickly ran up the fixtures for this weekend. A chance for Cambridge, who at the minute are, are third in the North route because the top two, Swarston and Horsford, take on each other. So a chance for, for Cambridge there to sort of make some early inroads in that, that North group. Yeah, definitely. Um, that looks very tight in that, that group as well. Swarston obviously a real standout side. I think having spoken to a few of the Burwell a lot who played them a couple of weeks ago, their batting is pretty, pretty incredible. Um, and good to watch, even if they are, even if you are the field inside, apparently, because they do, they do things that you really can learn off um, as a side. So we look forward to obviously playing them next year. Um, but yeah, like you said, Cambridge, obviously we'll look to hopefully get a vic- another victory and put some pressure on obviously for when they come up against them themselves. So a bit of a chance for Cambridge on the weekend. Of course, Sauston and Babraham as well playing Berry. They could be then the only team left with a 100% record in the South group if Saffron Walden do the job over Sudbury, who also have 100% record so far. We're speaking to Alex Sears from Saffron Walden. We're speaking to Lewis Hill from Cambridge and Bowen Lexing as well after this short break. And then Jack will be taking on Callum in the latest quiz on Beat the Guest. Cambridge 105 Radio From the Pavilion on Cambridge 105 Radio yeah, Welcome back to From the Pavilion here on Cambridge 105 Radio. It's time to round up the rest of our EOPL action then and let's just quickly confirm the result from Sorsen and Babraham on the weekend. They won against Copdock and Old Ipswichian by 39 runs. Sorsen and Babraham posted 298 for 7 with Waxer Sane getting a 100. And Copdock and Old Ipswichian could only muster 259 all out from 48 overs. Just said, our co-host Callum Guest picking up a fifer, so well done to him. Let's hear from the rest of our local sides now then, starting with Cambridge. They couldn't back up their win on the opening weekend as they lost that to Mildenhall this week. Cambridge were bowled out for just 212 in 48.3 overs. The hosts managing to secure the win with only three wickets left though. Cambridge have a chance to bounce back this weekend, though, when they travel to Great Witchingham, with the top two playing each other in the North route. That's Horsford and Swarston. Lewis Hill's side could jump into the two playoff spots with a win, something he sees as motivation. Disappointing to to lose and, and sort of put in that batting performance after having such a strong batting performance the week before. We didn't quite get the, the partnerships going in the, the top order. I think we ended up being something like 90 for five or, or something like that. And we were sort of relying on the bottom lower order to, um, to put some partnerships together, which they did. You know, Mikey Turner and Pete Rich have batted really, really well, both getting, you know, close to half centuries or just, uh, just over to get us what was a defendable total. But, you know, we, we did know we were lacking probably 30, 40 runs. So if we'd managed to get ourselves close to that 250, then we would have been a real competitive chance of, of winning the game. It's quite easy to sort of over-analyse performances, isn't it? You know, cricket's a funny game. I don't critique the performances that much. I always try and encourage the, the batsmen to play their natural game. So, you know, like I say, on a different day, we could have quite easily gone to, to get on to, to get 250 from playing exactly the same shots. Great Wichelum's another difficult place to go. They've obviously got some, some strong players, some match winners, you know, Arthurton and, and Hamby with the ball. So... We're going to have to be on on our sort of top performance, so I think it's definitely a good chance for us to go and and get just sort of four points and sort of be competing for those those top two positions. Be nice to get on a little run of wins earlier and get that feeling. You know, it was obviously great to start the season like that. It's obviously nice to be at the top of the table and see yourself there and and use that as motivation to stay there. Really. Now, Saffron Walden recorded an impressive victory over champions Frinton on Sea on Saturday following their opening day defeat to Sawson and Babraham. Alex Sears, who picked up a forfeit in the game this week, believes his side now have a clear blueprint ahead of the trip to Sudbury this weekend. It was a fantastic win. We put in a really, really good performance, led by the young lads uh, as well, which is really, really nice. So, yeah, really pleased with that. It was clear after our warm-up games and uh, the first game against Sawston as well, we just weren't laying a platform with the bat. And that was our, our, our task. Harry Gallion played a brilliant role. 
really dug in against good ball, you know, good bowling attack. They've got really good bowlers. And it was no frills, nothing too special. But we, it, we left wickets in hand, which is what you've got to do in any cricket. And it was almost like we forgot that. Uh, and his platform with Nikhil, they opened up. They, you know, we were about 40, 50 for none. Um, set the platform up for everyone else. It was brilliant. Basically, runs on the board, scoreboard pressure. And they were playing probably shots that they shouldn't have been playing. I put my... Uh, not my face mask on, for, I put my burglar's mask on, put my sack over my shoulder and burgled some wickets. I bowled a shower of rubbish uh, on Saturday and walked away with four foot, well, 69 off 10, which gives you a sort of uh, idea about what I was doing. Sudbury are always a tough team to play, but it's, not, it's a simple game, really. We, we, now we've got sort of, we know how we, did, we succeeded by one of the top three batting long. Without too much special batting, you're just digging in. We've got guys like myself, Ben Harris, who can hit the cleanest ball I've ever seen. Finn Carson, who hits a really clean ball. Guys like that coming in later to cause a bit of havoc, hopefully. But again, against a side like Sudbury, you've got to be patient. So it should be a good game. And finally, Bo and Exing have started the campaign with back-to-back defeats now, following another heavy loss, this time to Horsford on Saturday. Being set 351 to win, they could only manage 231 themselves from their 50 overs. Jamie Seabrook and Sam Rippington with half-centuries, though. This weekend, Bo and Exing host Mildenhall, and they need a win. Now then, let's move on to the quiz, and Jack Haycock is next up to take on Callum. Callum currently leads 2-0 in beat the guest against the guest. He was a, a victory against Dan Heath, a close victory against Dan Heath in the opening week. And then a gritty performance, should we say, against Rishi Patel last week means he leads 2-0. So no pressure, Jack, but for the guests around the county, you really need to get the, uh, the next one on the ball for yourselves to make it tight and interesting. This week's quiz um, is a classic, Who Am I? So I will read out three clues. Um, and you have to try and guess who the person I am talking about. If you guess the person within the first clue, it's six runs, second clue, four runs, and the final clue, one run. If you get it wrong and guess at any point, it will then go on offer to the other person. You've got three people each to guess, and as Jack is the guest, I will allow him to choose whether he wants set A or B, and if he wants to go first or second. What would you like, Jack? I'll go first. And would you like to set A or B? A, please. All understand the rules? Yep. yep. The only job, the tricky bit about involving Callum in the quiz is that I don't have my mathematician alongside me to work out. So it's just double the job for me, but hopefully I managed to, to get it right. No one really cares anyway if I get it wrong. Right, Jack, are you ready? Yep. So the first, uh, who am I? And the first clue. This person was the joint third quickest Englishman to reach 3,000 ODI runs. It's Johnny Bairstow. Are you gone straight in? You've guessed after the first clue? You've made me doubt myself now. Yeah, I think it was Johnny. So you I think I saw that. I'm afraid that is incorrect, Jack. Goes over to Callum. Callum, would you like me to read out the next clue? Read out the next clue, please, mate. He has over 7,500 test runs. And if you want, I can read out the next one, or are you happy to take a guess? Take a guess. Kevin Peterson. Incorrect, I'm afraid. The next clue was made England captain in 1989, which therefore would have meant the answer was... Graham Gooch. You are correct, yeah. So no one gets any points there, but Jack's already had his first question out the way. Callum, on to you. I think they were recently in the news. <laughs> no, re- You've thrown a, a curveball there by saying recent. Re- yeah, recent cricket, because there were the stats about 3,000 ODR oh, runs. <laughs> right. Shouldn't have been so hasty, Jack. Wait for the next clue. My bad. My bad. <laughs> Callum, first one for you. This player made his international debut against England in 2019. Next one, please. He is the leading wicket taker for Ireland in the T20 World Cup qualifiers last year with 12 dismissals. Are you happy for me to move on or you like to take a punt? Um, go again. Next one. So just for the one run, he returned from injury to pick up the wicket of Johnny Bairstow in yesterday's ODI versus England. Mm. Now this is where being on the golf course today has not helped me. Correct. <laughs> right. um, Craig Young. Going for Craig Young. 
That's incorrect, I'm afraid. <clears throat> it was Mark Adair. Jack, did you know that? It was my next one. Oh, I did. I did. Well, it's a strong start from both of you. Anyway, moving on. Jack, your second question. This man has a test batting average of 43 for Pakistan. And you don't have to guess this time. You can wait for the next clue. Yeah, next clue, please. He scored 45 in the One Day Cup final at Lords last year. Babarazam. He's taken a punt at Babarazam. That's incorrect, I'm afraid, Jack. <clears throat> Callum, are you going to take a guess or would you like me to move on to the next clue? Just the next clue, please. So for one run, he's captaining the test team for the tour of England. Oh, oh my. Surely. Jack, you know it again by the sounds of it. <laughs> Come on, Callum. Callum was nodding when I said Babarazan. Well, you've narrowed it down. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, try Shadab Khan. Come with Shadab Khan. Unfortunately, that's incorrect again. Jack, do you know? You were nodding your head. Azar Ali. It is Azar Ali. Yeah. He played Somerset, didn't he? He did last year, yeah. Babrazan played in the T20 side for Somerset last year. Callum, your Come second on. question. To get the point on a board. Right. This man was a T20 World Cup winner with England in 2010. Next clue, please. He scored a ton and took four wickets in a county championship match this week. Tim Bresnan. You're correct. First point on the board. That is correct. Tim Bresnan. Did you know that one, Jack? Yeah, I'm a Bears fan. Oh, there you go. I think you're are you a Villa fan as well? No, no. But, Birmingham City. Birmingham. Oh, sorry. Which one? Do you have? Oh, dear. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Right, you really need this. You do really need this, Jack. Sorry, just to uh, clarify, the last clue was moved from Yorkshire to Warwickshire this season, so I'm sure both of you would have got it had you heard that one. Four runs. So, Jack, you need this. Remember, of course, if Callum gets the last one wrong, you can, of course, then step in and get the answer right. So it's not all over if you get this wrong. Yeah. This next man is a Windies batsman with a test average of 31. Yeah, take next a clue, please. He recently signed a CPL, Caribbean Premier League deal, with Jamaica Talawas. Is it Jermaine Blackwood? Gone with Jermaine Blackwood. That is correct. First points on the board for Jack and important ones as well. Four runs for yourself. The last clue was finished top run scorer for Windies versus England in the recent tour. So we're tied at four each. And Callum, this is your last question. Any, any points here would get you the win. Jack, if you could nip in and steal, you would then also take the win. This man is a former Cambridge MCCU wicketkeeper. Hmm. Next clue, please. He was run out for naught in the East Anglia Premier League opener for Frinton on Sea. Adam Wheater. He said Adam Wheater. The last clue guided Essex over the line with 26 not out against Kent in the County Championship this week. Adam Wheater was correct. Another four runs to Callum, and it seals another victory in the quiz. That standard wasn't great, was it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it wasn't. So if anyone thinks they can beat Callum Guest at the quiz, we really need you to go on the show and help. It's a, it's a crowd for help, as unfortunately for the guests, he now leaves 3-0. So Dan Heath, Rishi Patel and now Jack Haycock couldn't quite beat him. It hasn't been convincing all the time, Callum, but you're finding a way to win, which is always a good knack, as they say. Get a bit lucky with the questions. I think they're picking the wrong. Uh, they're picking the wrong sections, aren't they? Because if he got if Jack got the, the Birmingham one, Bresnan, he would have been right yeah, in there. That's true. That's uh, true. A win is a win. Doesn't matter how they come. Same with anything. You look in the scorecard. Jack, unlucky. What have you got to say for yourself? Oh, I, I don't. I'm still buzzing from winning on Saturday, so I'll at least over it. <laughs> Literally doesn't care. And I, to be fair, I don't really blame you. <laughs> anyway, after the break, we'll be um, chatting about England and their 2-1 series victory over the islands in the ODIs, uh, Rangup County Cricket, and also hearing Jack's big question too. Cambridge 105 Radio. From the Pavilion on Cambridge 105 Radio. So welcome back to From the Pavilion on Cambridge 105 Radio. Up next, after we're done here at 7 o'clock, is Tim Willett with the new music generator featuring the latest unsigned charts and all the local music scene 
around the city and South Cambridgeshire. Um, but up next, we're going to be chatting about England and they defeated Ireland in the end 2-1. They were 2 up in this series before Ireland clinched a victory last night and with some great scenes, actually, when Kevin O'Brien hit the winning runs, all the Ireland coaching staff and players in the dressing room jumping around, completely abandoning social distancing. But uh, fair enough, and they were very, very happy indeed. And before we come on to England, can we important win for, for Ireland? Yeah, I think it's brilliant for the international game, really, that obviously they come over, they got trounced pretty much two, in the first two games and then uh, obviously have got themselves, picked themselves back up and won, won the last one. It's very good going into you know the foreseeable future, really, for Irish cricket. Obviously, they've had a few South Africans or other nationalities join join in, but that's the, that's the beauty of it, like associate nations, but newly formed test match nations that's how they're going to get better um having been over in ireland and seeing that the professional you know the south african professional at the club i was at um he's looking to do similar he's looking to get in i think he's got end of this year i think he qualifies to be irish and he knows the coach pretty well from his um natal days so he's pretty pretty sure he might be in the irish team as well so it's good to see it's interesting because when you look at the scenes last night after they won, you think, well, they've lost the series 2-1. Why were they really jumping around and celebrating? But, of course, with the new ODI, World Super League, whatever it's called, they pick up 10 valuable points in the rankings, which mean they've got a much stronger chance of getting into that top eight, I believe, which qualifies automatically for the World Cup, or seven, and including India as they're the host. And then all the rest of the nations have to go into a qualifier to, to then find out the final two, I believe. But either way, the higher they get up the league, the better. Uh, Jack, for you, your thoughts on England over this ODI series, trialling a few new players in a few new spots, but still looking pretty good, the world champs back on home soil. Yeah, I was a bit a bit surprised they didn't try some more players, perhaps. I mean, when, when, I know Willie was probably our player of the series, but is he going to be around in three or four years? I mean, Dead, I think Denley was probably going to play if, um, he, if he didn't get injured. I think Billings has probably come out of it pretty well. It was probably good to see Ireland win, just to keep England on their feet a bit, I suppose. Do you feel the side was picked potentially more looking at T20 cricket? Because obviously there was going to be a T20 World Cup this year. It's now postponed to next year, but that's still the next impending tournament. So potentially that in their mind, you look at Banton, Billings, um, and maybe someone like Tom Curran and Snacky Mahmood as well coming to the side. For sure, yeah. Uh, definitely a few spots they could... But I'm a, I'm a little bit like Jack. I feel like they could still have even tinkered with it a little bit more, even going into this final game. They've won the series 2-0. Um, there's a few lads that have obviously done pretty well, but, you know, the likes of James Vince or someone like that, you know, he's getting a good few goes at it. Um, could they have tried someone else in these in these slots as well with the series one? That was the one I forgot to mention because yeah. being a Warwickshire fan, I think Sam Hain can't really do much more than... Yeah. He's got the highest average in this day cricket or something ridiculous and he still can't get a full out. Yeah, I think we spoke about him a couple weeks ago, didn't we, Cam? It seems ridiculous that, that he hasn't got a chance. I think, just to play devil's advocate, Owen Morgan mentioned at the toss in the opening game that he wasn't looking to rotate in this series because he'll potentially look to then change it up for a following series and then, again, say it's a three-match ODI series against whoever, then stick with those players and almost rotate for each series. The problem being, I think if you look at the dates, England's next ODI series is against is against Australia. I think they're playing T20s against Pakistan, I think. It's not an easy, uh, not an easy task to come in, especially if you're going to be making mm. your, your white ball debut against the Aussies, is it? I think, yeah. with no disrespect to Ireland, you would probably fancy your debut maybe to be against that attack rather than Mitchell Stark <laughs> reverse swinging them into your toes. I think the only thing that's going against Sam Hain slightly at the moment, we spoke about him very highly in the last, is probably his strike rate. That's the only thing I can think about it. You know, he strikes strikes at 85, I believe, in one day cricket. Um, and obviously, with England setting such a high benchmark of what the targets they're, you know, they're breaking records on home soil a lot of the time. That's the only only reason I can see as to why he's not being picked um, in that middle order. That, that suggests they've got a big T20 focus as well, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. You, so, you, so someone like Phil Salt as well. I think he strikes over over 100. So he's hard yeah. done by as well. Yeah, he got a, of course, a big hundred against Ireland in the England Lions match. I think probably Sam Hayne, the most players most akin to his in that side regards to strike rate is Joe Root and there's only sort of one spot for a player like that the rest are generally your explosive players like Butler, Stokes, Morgan and then Bairstow and Roy the other side of him as well so he's 
Obviously, like I think Banton said this week, it's the hardest sports team in the world to break into, and he's probably not wrong there. I think Nick Knight was saying on commentary yesterday that generally when the World Cup comes to an end, it's a, a new dawn for a number of players. You clear out quite a few and bring some in, but they're pretty young still. It doesn't it doesn't look an easy way in if you're a you know a late twenty year old uh, slash early thirty year old coming breaking into that setup. It it seems like you're either pretty early twenties slash mid twenties at, at max if you're going to break in. As soon as you get past you know twenty eight to thirty, if you haven't kind of made your debut from then onwards, it looks mm. a bit of an uphill struggle because obviously you're speaking of you know the likes of Salt, uh, Banton, Duckett. You know, they're, they're, they're 25 and below age-wise. So. And that's that's why Billings is an outlier as such, isn't he? Because I guess in normal circumstances, a player at Billings who's gearing on 30, maybe 28, 29 now, would have potentially been discarded, especially for the number of goes he's had at it. But he's scored runs in this series and done really well and taken his chance. So it comes to the question about selection, really. If a player has been picked like Billings has over a number of years and, quite frankly, before this series doesn't perform consist- consistently, haven't had a consistent run of opportunities, normally would be discarded. But clearly the selectors saw- either saw something in him or or just had a gut feel, Jack? I think from watching the Sky coverage, uh, Billings has tweaked his technique a bit and he looks really, really solid. I mean, he's got a couple of red inkers, I think a 40 and a 60, but the way he scored the runs, he looks in such control that could almost be better than getting a scrappy 100, if you, if you know what I mean. Is selection just about stats, Callum? I think the thing that goes for Billings as well is they've seen him do it in major tournaments. He's obviously he's been to the IPL a few times. He has destroyed bowling attacks in the IPL. Um, when he was at Chennai, I remember him playing a few innings where he was almost Chennai's go-to man with the likes of Dhoni and you know Suresh Rona at the time in, in that side. To be Chennai's go-to man in the middle overs slash end of the innings, that's a massive statement in itself. Um, so I feel like that's probably why England have given him such a chance you know, to express himself. And also, you know, coming in in the middle to later overs and starting your innings that way, it's all well and good. But we spoke about it last week and I mentioned that these lads aren't robots. Um, and it, it, it goes for that as well. It's not the, it can be as talented as you want, but it's still not an easy task to come in and expect him to, you know, play all these reverse reverse sweeps and, you know, slog, slogs, basically switch hits, whatever. And come off every time if you're going to take these risks you're not you're not going to come off and sometimes for England I feel like that's that's almost been the case mm, I guess like I said it, it's it's having whether it be the selectors in Ed Smith or Owen Morgan seeing enough in them looking past the stats adding the context to it and saying no we're going to stick with Billings and like they have done hopefully now he goes on to have a decent England career before we come on to Jack's big questions quickly ran up the county scene wins yesterday for Worcestershire and Somerset in the central group Yes, I said central group. Uh, wins also for Leicestershire, Derbyshire and Yorkshire in the north group. Uh, a cracking victory for Derbyshire. I think the last ball of the game against Notts. A terrific victory for them. Obviously a Div- Division 2 side to be, uh, beating a Division 1 side. And wins also in the south group for Middlesex. Essex, that was a very, very close game. Essex winning with two wickets left. And Sussex, again, a Division 2 side beating a Division 1 side. Local rivals Hampshire. Great to see in the Bob Willis Trophy. Uh, quickly before we come on to Jack's question, Jamie Overton's going to Surrey, Callum. Of course, a player who was, who was young at Somerset, been on their books for a very long time, developed through the academy and, and at Somerset, but obviously you could say money talks or whatever, but Surrey coming in with a, a lucrative deal and he rejected a new Somerset contract. But Somerset don't get, I imagine, don't get a transfer fee like you potentially would in football. So they spend time developing this player and then he rejects the new deal and goes off to Surrey. Of course, you could say Somerset shouldn't let his contract run down. But it doesn't seem too right, is it, for those smaller counties amongst the, the setup? No, it's it's been this way. I think they've talked about it in the past about transfer fees coming in. Um, uh, Leicestershire spring to mind of a county that produce a lot of youngsters and get, <laughs> get, a, lot yeah. nab- get a lot nabbed off them from knots. Um, and now obviously it's happened with Somerset, obviously Jamie Overton. But yeah, it's something they should look into. These bigger counties are obviously, you've got a lot more money than the smaller ones. And uh, it's going to be, if you, if you don't put in these transfer fees, it's going to be a bit of a monopoly really. But you could, you've got to understand it from the player's perspective. Obviously, Jamie Overton, I don't think, obviously, money's going to talk as well. But I feel like he's obviously got test match aspirations. Um, and it's no secret that if you play for these bigger counties, you know, your Lancashire's, Nottinghamshire, Yorkshire or Surrey's, you're probably more likely to get a test mm-hmm. call-up. 
That's the thing. It's bizarre because you, what is the definition of a big county? You look at sides have been the most successful over the last few years, and you put Somerset up there in that bracket along with Essex, and both of them have developed young players. Surrey, of course, won the championship a couple of years ago, but haven't really been too successful. But they are that big side. They're also these sides that, of course, involved in the hundred competition again. So it almost creates that elitist group uh, with a number. I think it's that thing as well as a scene bowl. If you can perform on these test match grounds and test match wickets, that's the other thing. I always feel like Chris Rushworth gets a real hard deal of it at Durham because they turn around and say, but you're playing in, you're playing up at Durham where as a scene bowler, it's a lot more friendlier. Um, but the guy still goes away from home and still takes just as many wickets <laughs> at the away ground. So it's, it's an incredible thing. But no, I feel like from a scene, scene bowler's perspective, obviously if you perform well at Surrey on a flat, on a flat pitch at the Oval, um, obviously the, the, the selectors will start taking more of a notice. Well, he certainly performed at Taunton yesterday, a bit of a fifer to help Somerset over the line against Glenmorgan, as did his brother Craig, let's not forget him as well. There was, just quickly, there was, a, I think, an introduction or an idea that was going to come in this season, 2020, which meant that when player a player moved, the county that that player was at would receive about six grand for every year they had been on their books from the age of 15 to 23, minus six grand for every year they have had, had at the club after the age of 25. So by that math, Somerset would receive about 30 grand for Jamie Overton. But of course, I'm not sure whether that did come into place with the whole COVID and, and restructuring of the, the championship to the Bob Willis Trophy or anything. So we're not sure if that did happen. Anyway, let's move on to, to Jack's big question. Jack, do you want to tell us what it is and we'll have a good old natter about it? Yeah, so, so along the lines of do formats need to be more adaptable across the, the levels to keep as many people playing the game as possible? I'll ask you why you asked that question and what your answer is to your own question. <laughs> it's just based on a few people who haven't wanted to come back to play this season. It's um, that's an awesome. Well, I if, yeah, I don't know if it applies just to like junior, the junior leagues or the senior leagues. But if you had a fifty-over competition half the season and a twenty-over competition half the season with the same points going towards the same league table, with more people take part then and then maybe you keep them around for the 50 over stuff or you, you at least give them the option if they've got kids or they play golf and they can't commit to a full Saturday if you have a half season 2020 you might you know 25% more people might play the game Callum your answer to that yeah I think we spoke about it in the past haven't we about the 50 overs and this you know the the colour kits and stuff like this it's it really does create a spectacle um yeah, I definitely like the adaptable formats. Um, Tucker League-wise or Whiting's League, I'd always, I, I, like I've said it in the past, I like the 50-over format halfway through the season. Then two, I'd do two 2020s on a, on a Saturday. Um, so you're still pretty much playing the same overs. Point-wise, you can split it however you want, but you know there's still an opportunity. I feel like the 2020 cricket is a bit of a strange one because I feel like it does even the playing field a little bit. All it takes... You don't necessarily have to be the best team to win the game. All it takes is someone to have a day out with the bat or with the ball, with the ball and all of a sudden you've won the game almost. Um, so I feel like the bigger teams, that might even the playing field a little bit in terms of that. So I'm not sure the bigger teams will be as open to doing that. It was more at the... Yeah, so looking at sort of senior, junior, junior yeah, level. Yeah, no, I, mean, yeah. I wouldn't want to reduce... No. Format at Whiting. Uh, senior junior level definitely. I think that's a definite option to play twenty twenty cricket on a Saturday. It's what I used to play that midweek for junior junior cricket, and it used to be over and done within a few hours. So those that were interested in cricket, you felt like you'd or like took more of an interest in cricket, you feel like you've accomplished that. But also those that want to kind of just play it for a little bit of a hobby, hobby is it's fulfilled their ambitions as well, kind of. Mm. Yeah, I think giving people the option, giving people the choice is, is what we're talking about as well. Uh, for a question on social media the other week about would everyone be up for playing in coloured kits next season, someone immediately came back and said no, 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 because they like the tradition of white ball, uh, sorry, white, white kits and, and red ball. But of course, and again, you've got to give some people, whether they like that, some people like to play in coloured kits. Um, I've often said to yourself, Callum, before about that juniors should be 30, senior 40, and then Whiting's 50, just because I think obviously a lot of kids, or the majority of kids, 
young kids are going to come in at that junior level. It's very rarely a 12, 13-year-old is going to come in and play Whiting's one, or they're not going to, uh, first first of all. So you introduce from the junior level, and that's when they play the format that's going to get you in. It's going to pull you in. That short format's going to take four hours. You can be done by you know, 12 till 4, the rest of the day till what you like, playing in colour kits to attract you. And then as you progress up, you have to sort of change your skills. Playing devil's advocate, though, to your point, Jack, two things. With a logistics point of view, assuming you have two formats in a season, would that require two kits, which potentially clubs wouldn't be able to afford? And secondly, is there a danger that you're losing an aspect of skill if you play probably more sort of pink ball or white ball cricket because kids aren't learning to play over red ball? I don't think the kit thing really matters. I mean, there's teams in Whiting's now playing with a pink ball and white kit still. I mean, you could just have a training top and... <laughs> white bottoms or you know I don't think that's really a, a, an issue um what so what's the second part in terms of yeah losing a bit of skill we're not playing the red ball I see yeah I see where you're coming from and it, it is true but at the end of the day to get more people it's better to have more people playing not everyone's a cricket badger that wants to dedicate the whole day to I think you know I would I would happily dedicate my whole Saturday but some people just want to pop in for three or four hours and whack a few balls the other reasoning behind the longer, more overs is that obviously we talked about the juniors and actually to give them a bowl and give them an opportunity to score runs. Obviously, if we're talking 13 year olds just coming into adult cricket, they need them, they need a lot of balls to score runs. It's, they don't have the power of you know mm. older people, and that's the same. Same goes for the bowling, the bowling wise for the captain to have you might not have any, any other option other than to go to a, a junior bowler to bowl a few overs. Whereas if you l- narrow down the game, that opportunity is cut away from them because he could fulfil the you know, required overs with more senior bowlers. So that's the other argument, yeah. shortening games. And I guess it comes back to the point, if you had the option of both, there would be options to utilise the different junior players' skills throughout the season. Um of course, some people, if, you know, if you're bowling well and your legs are pumping after two overs, you want to continue, you want to bowl eight overs, you don't want to be stopped after four. Um, mm-hmm. And your kids want to obviously be able to do that. Again, then it comes into the ethos of the club as well. If they've got clubs that higher level, bringing those through to experience those new formats. Good question, Jack. Very good question. I enjoyed that one. Uh, thanks very much for coming on the show as well. Unlucky with the quiz, but... Um, <laughs> Your contributions elsewhere has been has been certainly worthwhile time. I hope you've enjoyed it, and uh, all the best for this weekend as well. And uh, St Arthur will wish for the rest of the season. Hopefully, the twos lose, but the the ones can the ones can win. <laughs> and uh, we'll speak again soon. Yeah, cheers, Alex. Cheers, Callum. Cheers, mate. Thank you. You've been listening to From the Pavilion on Cambridge 105 Radio. That's all we have time for on today's show. Thanks to my guest Jack Haycock for coming on, and my co-host as ever, Callum Guest. I've been Ollie Slack. Up next on Cambridge 105 Radio is Tim Willett with a new music generator. That's from 7 until 9 o'clock tonight as Tim presents Cambridge 105 Radio's flagship show dedicated to local and unsigned music as well. If you missed any of tonight's show, you can download it on a podcast straight after we're done here at 7 o'clock. Head over to the Cambridge 105 Radio website and press the catch-up section or you can download it on our social media pages at FTP Cricket 105, both on Twitter and Facebook to find the links. We'll be back same time, same place next week with another From the Pavilion. Until then, on Saturday, we've got the 105 Sports Special at 12 and Cambridge United Games of the Decade Sunday at 6. Don't miss any of that. You're here from us again next week. Bye-bye. Cambridge 105.